Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, wild week. Wild week. I am here, Solly. This is me. I'm my name, Solly something. Uh, I promise I'll speak better than that the rest of the pod. DJ Pi is here. Hey, wild week, Solly. A wild week. Two straight weeks, just a two-man crew. Uh, people have been on the road. We won't spoil too much about what uh, what the rest of the crew might be up to, but uh, uh, I'm fired up to talk about the Memorial Tournament. You know what? The Memorial has uh, always been a little faceless in my mind. I know you obviously grew up going to it and have a lot of fond memories of it. I remember it just as kind of a great, lush, green you know, nice looking golf tournament that Tiger Woods won a lot, but I don't have a lot of like memories, memories of it. And this year was fucking awesome. It might so be great. great in July. Yeah. Like it might be really that's good a, in July. That's a really good take. Um, before we get going, we'll get, we're going to do a lot of stats. This is a very, may, might be a very stats centric pod today. A lot of stuff from today's round, this week's tournament over the course of the pod. But one thing that always comes to light, uh, the guy's at the top of the leaderboard. You'll almost always see it. Now listen, we talk a lot of drive for show, putt for dough. But what really separates the guys at the top of the leaderboard, they have great putting weeks, almost always. So Odyssey is not only the number one putter on tour, but it's also the number one putter in golf. That's because they have the technology and innovation across their lineup with options for just about everyone. So if you like the feedback and feel of a milled blade, you're not alone. The Odyssey Toulon San Diego, their number one played model at the Memorial Tournament this year. And if you need a little innovation, maybe some help with your alignment, uh, the new Odyssey Triple Track number seven is right up your alley. Got the Triple Track right on the putter. You can line it up with the Triple Track on your golf ball if you want to. And if you want something with more of a throwback mallet feel, look at what Danny Willett used to lead in strokes game putting on Saturday. That's the Stroke Lab Tuttle. So for more information on the entire Odyssey lineup, I promise they've got what you're looking for there in some capacity. Visit odysseygolf.com. Check out odysseygolf.com to learn about which putter is right for you. You know who I think would be a spectacular podcast? Danny Willett. Yeah. We should we should effort to make that happen. I feel like he's he's been through the wilderness. Seems like a very cheeky bloke. Mm-hmm. Would love to hear an extended conversation. Danny or Pete? Which one do you... Both. We okay. could get her, do a roundtable, okay. right. I feel like. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's start with uh, John Rahm or... <laughs> As, Rombo. As, as, you know, Rombo, of course, as the larger <laughs> golf world likes to call him. Uh, my homie Lou Brown on Twitter also calls him the anagram uh, Ron J. Ham, <laughs> which always makes me laugh. Uh, let's start there. He's literally number one in the world. That's it's, unbelievable, it man. It seems deserved. His return to golf has not been anything to write home about. He shot well, f- Compared to how he was playing. Correct. The, he was so hot before everything shut down. And all the way, like wrapping back, sorry, reaching around back to last year, <laughs> uh, had such an amazing finish to the year and was playing quietly some of the best golf in the world. I, I, I mean, it does not take a lot to have noticed that, but I will say we were tracking that rather closely and mentioning that at every stop because it felt like people weren't really talking about how good he was playing. I kind of fell asleep on him, to be honest, just because uh, of you know what's all that's been going on in the last several weeks. Bryson's been distracting me, as you might imagine. Absolutely, we're going to get to that. But uh, well, number one player in the world and deserve it. Like a lot of questions floating around. Like 
you know, can you should be able to get to number one without having won a major, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, dude, you get to number one by being just really good at golf and beating the best players very frequently. Yeah, and it's a good example of, you know, the fact that the world rankings is not a power rankings. Like, it, it basically is reflective of, you know, what you did four months ago, six months ago, that kind of stuff. And like you're saying, I mean, going into last fall, it was one of those times where you kept, I kept waking up and like kind of looking at results and like, oh my God, John Rahm's the best player in the world. Why is nobody like talking about this? Mm -hmm. This guy is... It's one, two, three, five, one, one, two. Like I mean, it was nuts. And so, and to all the world golf ranking discussion, he's not a manipulator. He's not. No, he didn't get to number no. one through the European tour. Like that's not what this discussion's about. He's deserved the golf this week. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the conditions, but man, it is tough. wild to see somebody separate like that and. Put on. I mean, he struggled a little bit on that back nine, which, of course, we're going to blame on him drinking the water with the glove hand, which <laughs> was a completely reckless move oh, on the tenth tee. Psychopath. Man. That was wild. Uh, he couldn't, get, you know, grip the club after that glandular <laughs> issues out the ass. And uh, from, uh, but God, that shot on sixteen. We're going to talk about the ruling and all that. But that shot was so good. And for people that watch a lot of golf this week you saw how many times that shot did not go well for so yes. many people. And the, he just dropped that in the bucket. And as soon as it hit the green, I, I was watching with Hannah. And I was like, that's in. That's going in. And boom, I really missed crowd at that point. Yeah. I really missed not having fans. Totally. It puts a lot of onus on the player to really uh, – like JT was obviously very good at it last week. You know, the kind of big – Come on! The big celebration. It's so awkward. <laughs> it's so awkward. you got to just fully commit to it. Uh, otherwise, you're going to look like a clown. But I thought, you know, I thought Rom was very sure. committed to it. He, he looked great. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out where to start. So you said a couple a couple interesting things. I don't know if you want to go full ROM or full setup stuff. Let's go first. ROM. Let's do All ROM. Right, let's stick with ROM. Um, we're just going to lob stats back, okay. and, back and forth with each other. This one, uh, you're going to hear this name a lot, but of course from, from my guy Justin Ray. Uh, fastest players to world number one in the history of the official world golf ranking. ROM is the third fastest. Hmm. Of course, I'm sure you can probably guess the other two. The big Spieth and uh, the big cat and Lee Westwood and Lee Westwood, <laughs> uh, who took eighteen and a half years. Wait, was Spieth actually one of them? Spieth was second. Oh, I was the joking. Cat, about the cat that. was first. Oh, I didn't uh, realize Spieth did that. Jeez. Tiger made it in two hundred and ninety days. <laughs> he got to world number one in two hundred ninety days. So Jordan, like before he was one. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Jordan Spieth, I believe this is uh, after turning professional. Yeah. Jordan Spieth, two years, two hundred and forty-five days. So just under three years. John Rahm, four years and 27 days, which mm. people forget he's 25. <laughs> like, which, he's been around for a while. We've been watching him for a little while, but man, he's like, what? He's a couple years older than Morikawa even, you know? And it it's just feels so different watching watching even, you know, last week and kind of like, oh my gosh, these young up-and-comers. It's like, man, Rahm's still so young. Yeah, I think it, Not. I don't mean to twist this into being a Spieth fanboy, but also like we just blew past Definitely. 11 wins for Spieth by the time he was like 23. And JT's in that but, camp too. I but mean. it has lured us to sleep on guys yes. that have like... That, that's as, more what I'm getting at. As many wins as Rom at this age because yeah. like we just saw someone do it and we lost him. He's gone. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's gone, but we don't have that guy anymore. And so when somebody has won, you know, what is this? Five? This is four. Four wins at 25 isn't like that impressive anymore, relatively Compared speaking. Compared to the Com freaks. Cor correct. Because yeah. Bryson's done this too. Bryson... Yeah. One five, I think, by the time he was either twenty five or twenty six. So, uh, but he the 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 thing with Rom though is outside of the PGA Tour too, he has won some big events on yeah. the European Tour and has top five more frequently than somebody like Bryson does. So Definitely, it's it's his, a yeah, deserved his, resume. His, I mean, we can talk about. I know this is a bad week to talk about Bryson's floor since he he missed the cut, but 
yeah, Rom's floor has always felt a lot higher. Yeah. You know, and I know he misses cuts and he has bad weeks too, as we've kind of seen in the the return to golf, the the quote unquote bad weeks. But yeah, he God, he just seems so solid. And like watching him today, uh, the analogy that kept coming back to me on that front nine was like he he was throwing a no hitter. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, God, it was so good. It, it was just every single shot was it's like, God, that's exactly where you had to hit it. But Even on a when day was, when, yeah, on a day when you're a not little, stuffing it. He, he was just a little off on a couple. He gets behind in the count. He still he finds a way to get the guy out, you know, whatever. And then and he gave up some runs on the back. Nine. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, he didn't pitch a no hitter. Uh, he might have had to call in a reliever for this. Todd Coffey, I believe, had to come in from the bullpen. <laughs> God, that's a deep cut reference to a Big Randy tweet. Search Big Randy NLU Todd Coffey. When you, there's a little <laughs> Easter egg for your Monday morning. Um, but it, it was, I thought they did a great job on the broadcast of just pounding in. I mean, it was very obvious how difficult the conditions were and everything, but making you appreciate when the guys executed a shot that looks very pedestrian on TV to someone that just tuned in Sunday afternoon. But being like, no, no, like that was really good. He hit it 30 feet. You got to keep doing that all day long. And as soon as he stopped doing that is when it got my, my sphincter tightened up a little bit. <laughs> and that's where, so I, I was thinking about this. This is where I was going to go if we wanted to get into the condition stuff. But I've been thinking about this a lot, like watching the different types of setups and the different types of leaderboards. And I think there's absolutely no argument anybody could make that a day like this doesn't identify the best player, right? Like, of, of course, someone like Rom is going to rise to the top and and just kind of blow out the guys who don't have their A game. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, the soft conditions we see much more frequently, much more week to week, are going to have much more bunched leaderboards and probably more fireworks and more excitement. And I'm too now. I know where you're going, but no, here, no, let I'm me finish. You. I'm with you. I'm following you. To I when I say more excitement, I think I mean to a more casual fan, I guess. And I don't mean to to be like high-minded or anything but it, you, you had to have a fairly high golf iq i think to appreciate exactly what rom was doing yes if that makes sense and it was a bit snoozy today it, it can be yes. until you're you're really watching on that front nine it's like god it's so hard to hit it to 20 feet there yeah. man like that is sick and i think that's where of course this is there's going to be a coverage take you know mired in here somewhere but like that's why it's so hard to drive that home or so important to drive that home it's like man you got to explain like how hard that is and and mm-hmm. why that's so hard. And one one way, weirdly, I've been shouting these guys out a lot lately, but PJ Tour Radio does a good job of that where they'll have each week, I think they just have their producers go around or whatever and they grab a different guy to describe each hole. And it's amazing, like driving, you know, I was driving in the car today and the leaders got to eight and I heard Steve Stricker describing the eighth hole. And like, okay, I usually hit an eight iron or seven iron to the front. I usually hit a nice, comfortable six to the middle. Sometimes it's a five to the back. You can't miss here. You can't do this. And just hearing like a player describe it, I was so much more locked in, even over the radio, mm-hmm. than I am where it's just the bum, 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 yeah. bum, <laughs> with the flyover music. And it's like, oh, God, I'm, I'm just so preconditioned to tune out what you yeah. guys are saying. Anyways, that yeah. was a long, rambling way of saying I think for a really hardcore golf fan, like a day to, like today is as good as it gets for me. But like, I could see a casual fan being like, "Yeah, that was kind of boring." The guy was just up by yeah. a lot. Having bite, I think, at can add a lot of excitement to it, a lot of intrigue to it. Like yeah. just having guys that Which with the lead bogeys yes, adds a lot of intrigue. Exactly. To it. So like that's why Heritage was just like no bite coming down the stretch of that was kind of boring. It was exciting because there's a lot of guys gunning, making birdies. Yeah. But like I needed like some some balance in that. And there was some I thought Saturday afternoon, 
like the first six holes on the back nine, like the way they had set those pins and how those conditions were playing, it was awesome. Like the the pin was kind of semi middle backish, kind of it's weird to describe the fourteenth green, but it was if you got like pin high left, like eight feet, you were stuck in the rough above the like you had to risk hitting that shot if you wanted to get close to it. Otherwise, and if you miss short right, it's going to spin away from you a little bit. And that's like the kind of balance of like, dude, these dudes are so freaking good that I want to see them have to hit that shot more than just like, hey, this is 120, right. fire at this pin and make birdie. Yeah. There's so much more balance to the tournament. And that's what, like having Rom win this makes so much sense because he separated himself as far as being able to hit those shots on repeat. Had some slip ups, but he had built up such a lead like that's his he just hadn't had his his fuck ups for the week and everybody yeah. else had it at, at different times that's going to happen over 72 holes in those conditions you might as well do it when you're up by eight that helps a little <laughs> bit um a couple rom numbers uh strokes gain t to green first strokes gained around the green first that's going to be a good combo you know what i love about that he, that was the stat and then he got penalized two shots which right. hurt his approach to green and he still stayed at number one in t to green like yeah. that's how good he hit it and he gained two over two shots on the greens once you're on him strokes gained approach eighth uh, accuracy fourth strokes gained off the tee fourth just uh, i mean and, and all this like he lost strokes to the field in putting in the second and fourth rounds yeah and and still had an eight shot lead at some point so that's hitting the ball really really good mm-hmm. he's just an absolute ball hitter <laughs> the, the the graphic on his swing that they did the the, oh, the swing tracer on those it, have been awesome they are awesome but it's yeah. I, I i've been really surprised at the development watching them week over week as to even swings that look very back and forth, that there's a lot more rerouting yeah, going on in the totally. swing than you than I would have thought. And Roms was like a perfect trace. And that honestly made me think like, okay, that guy's probably going to win. I, I now think he's going to win more having seen that. Like you have built a golf swing that is just like, whoosh, whoosh. yeah, it is super simple. It's kind of the golden tee swing. It, it is a very golden tee swing. Yeah. Another big Randy tweet that <laughs> uh, Ke- <laughs> it's about Kevin Chappell. He's like, eventually Kevin Chappell is not going to have a backswing. It's just going to be like the, the forward slam on the golden tee board. Bang the butt of your hand up into the screen. Let's talk about the rule, the rules incident on, uh, on 16. Um, we got a lot of questions about this. Uh, one, did you think, Let's let's ask the first one from Niall Collins twenty. Why did Rom get penalized today, but Finau didn't get one yesterday? Did you see Finau's uh, greenside chip <laughs> for the for the purposes of this podcast? Sure, yes, I did. But why don't you describe it? Well, he addressed it near the near the green. It was a kind of a similar chip. He addressed the ball and it wiggled a little bit. Like it, it I believe the correct term in the rule book is it oscillated. Sure, but it didn't change locations. Like if you screenshotted. Uh, I did not do this, but if you took the the you know brand of his golf ball at the beginning and at the end when he hit it, at uh, the beginning of the clip and the end, it was in the same spot. So mm-hmm. the ball did might have wiggled, but it did not change positions. Rom's ball on 16, by any definition in my mind, that logo moved from the right to the left. Like the ball moved. Do you agree? It was a total, total George Costanza. It, it moved <laughs> just a little bit, but it, it did move. Which I was, I, I am so team. It oscillated when it's like give them the benefit of the doubt on all this stuff. Like the, you know, there's these rules about, you know, cameras, and if it isn't supposed to be, if it's not reasonable that it wouldn't be visible to the naked eye, then it should not be a penalty. But like if you, I think I, I believe Rom when he says he he didn't see it move, but he could have seen that move. Like it moved yeah. enough that the human eye would have seen that. Totally. So and, I agree and with I the think penalty. it's it's also it's not like he one of those ones where you kind of walk up to it and it moves. I mean he's, he was kind of jamming the club down. Yeah, <laughs> down there pretty good in the rough. And a little bit. Which it, that was about the third or fourth time they had showed that camera angle. Which shout out to CBS. That's a yeah. sick angle. Uh, 
and I I was like visibly nervous every time. Yeah, I don't do want to see like, it anymore. God, he's like really mashing uh, mashing the club down back there. I hope it doesn't move. And then that one on sixteen, I saw it, and I was kind of waiting for someone to hit our our group chat. Like, hey, did that ball move? Because I saw it, and I'm like, God, I think that moved. But like, I have so much like PTSD from the uh, the old rules incidents of the call ins, and like, I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see that. I think that, that would be easier. Do uh, I think it made it easier to hold a shot? Like, no, I didn't. no, it, did, it didn't <laughs> so make it easier or harder. Like, it didn't change. It was not intentional. I don't think he wasn't, you know, improving his lie in any way. None of that. No, no C word. I don't even want to say the C word involved in any of this. Like, that's not what's going on here. Don't send me videos unless it for sure moved. Send them to Neil. Yes, send him, Neil is the rules <laughs> the, the rules expert on this. So a, a question came from John Vodenicker. Did Amanda overreach in the interview? He says, "quote I think so." Talk about stealing some joy. Thought Rom handled it as good as he as anybody could. Uh, I thought he handled it as good as anybody could as well. A total gentleman throughout the process. Couldn't have been a bigger gentleman. I don't really know. I, I was kind of thinking about it. It's a really awkward situation. On one hand, I think CBS is probably playing defense a little bit from from the bullies like us <laughs> who are going to be like, what the f- You got to ask him about it. What the hell? On the other hand, I'm like, well, it like literally didn't affect the golf tournament at all. He, he yeah. Even with the penalty, he still won, which is where I'm kind of like, you know, I, I didn't really need to hear from him. Yeah. To be to be totally honest. And so I, I give him credit, I guess, for going out on a limb and I give Faldo credit and a lot of those guys for actually being they were like, on top Yo, of it. that moved. We need to talk about this. There was not not a lot of whitewashing going on. I didn't think it felt felt pretty natural. And so I would give him credit in, in that regard. But also if they didn't ask, I, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't upset. have been up in arms either. Like you said, it doesn't affect the outcome of the tournament. I think if it would you know, if he would have won by three and that would have brought it down to one, I think it's yeah. a much more relevant question in time to do it. I still think it's it's totally and it's it is steering into the entertainment factor. And I wanted to shout that shout them out for getting that in. Like, yeah. it was clear a producer had said, make sure you ask about this and getting Rom's reaction to it, too. Like, that's something I would want to see. Like, whoa, I, I did not feel like he got pretty defensive pretty quickly. Like, I, w- I would have said something if I saw it move, which that's perfect. I, I want to see that reaction. I think that's that's valuable to the conversation. Rom runs really hot, man. Do we want oh, to yeah. talk about him slamming the driver? In a second, <laughs> in a second Michael Reed asked, uh, should the PGA Tour have notified Rom and Palmer after the hole that there was a possibility of a penalty? Got to think Palmer gets a little more aggressive with that knowledge. It's like the hardest... It's tough. It's like one of the hardest finishing holes, maybe the hardest finishing hole on the PJ Tour. Like I'm, he's down by five, man. I think he's trying to fucking birdie the hole. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like, think it changed. I don't think he would. Yeah, I don't think he would have changed the strategy. Uh, let's not let this second question distract from the first one. Should they have told Rom or Who Palmer? Knows? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I wasn't. What's the threshold? Like, if he's up by three, do you tell him? Definitely, right? I would think so. He was up by five, right? He was up on, by five on the paper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, up by five, I, I don't think it matters. But I think, yeah, three is probably the threshold, I think. I think even four. Like, I'd want to know if I got in trouble off the tee. Like, oh, I can still make double. And then you come in, you make double, and you are tied in a playoff. Or if Palmer makes birdie, you lose it. From a pure chaos standpoint, I was kind of rooting for that. Yeah. Like, just like a sloppy double and, you know, Palmer kind of yeah. runs in a long snake or something. and yeah. But at the same time, we shredded the USGA for going up to DJ and be like, we don't know if it's a penalty yet or not. We're looking into it. So I feel like this was... We're going to get back to you, though. As, as soon as we know, you'll know. 16th hole, uh, I think, like, it, it is a different situation, right? Because there was... So, like, we knew DJ's ball moved 
It was just whether or not the player had caused it to move, right? right. This scenario was like, hey, if it moved, you caused it for sure. Like, it, <laughs> you know, that's a fact. So I think it'd be a different kind of thing. Like, hey, we're going to need to look at it on video. Whereas with DJs, it was like, dude, we can look at it on video all you want. Like, I didn't make it move. So it's tough. It, it's a tight turnaround. That's a yeah. tight window to like communicate all that stuff. So that's where I, um, I'll I give, give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. I think yeah. like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts. But I guess at the same time, it's like there's really only one group on the course that yeah. kind of matters at that point. To make a decision, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think the question, and it's a question they should ask themselves and figure out is like, how do we, what's our protocol for like letting someone know that yeah. this is being looked at? Because it could decide a tournament someday. Yeah. And for people, bet, I know it didn't affect the outcome for people betting on this thing. And for an organization that's got extremely close to betting, like uh, to DraftKings and, you know, data sharing and all the things that go into gambling, like people are going to want this stuff policed pretty tightly. Yeah. So. I would say for the gamblers, I mean, you know what they call that. That's, that's I believe that's the rub of the green. Truly the rub of the <laughs> it green. It might be the most rub of the green. Um, before we get going on back into ROM, I've been dying to talk to you, to talk to everyone about our friends at Whoop. Oh, of course. It's finally time. First, most important part, we signed a deal with Whoop before it was cool. Totally. Before it was all over the news and all that. If you don't know what Whoop is, it is a fitness wearable that uh, provides you personal insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. I saw all these things popping up. I saw Rory with them. I saw JT with them, and I kind of rolled my eyes at it. And we started working with them. They sent us some. That's and not true. You saw them with it. And you're like, oh, that's so cool, man. I, wanna, I need to get one. I've actually been wearing wrist braces because it just <laughs> looks like a whoop. And I uh, look real cool when I do it. No, but I, I, I after wearing it for a week, I was kind of like, how does everyone not have one of these? Like, how, I, It's always like, oh, yeah, I slept pretty good last night. But you don't know what your heart did while you sleep. Like you didn't under, I didn't understand heart rate variability. All these things are things you can learn on their website, whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com. I assume that's a website. Uh, oh, it is. Yep. And uh, you can use promo code NOLANGUP. Uh, they're offering 15% off when you use the code NOLANGUP at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Enter the code NOLANGUP to save 15%. You can sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Can I, I just say, ramble? Can yeah. I say a few things about Whoop? So, I'm so excited about it. I, I really am too. And... and uh, it's a very earnest ad read, as as I think you've alluded to. We try to be pretty selective, and I think we've both we've all been using it for what going on two three months now. Yeah. As soon as I had it for like a week, so if people don't know, basically you you they send you the band and then you pay for a monthly subscription. So in my head, seeing all these people using them, I was always kind of like, oh well, why wouldn't you just get it for like a month and then kind of like you know what your data is like and then you yeah. just cancel it? I cannot imagine like not having this at right. this point. <laughs> like it it completely runs not runs but it, it holds it you responsible completely holds you accountable and motivates you to in how you're working out what you need to be doing that day what you you know it gives you kind of like a good uh not an excuse but a good like accountability for okay no i do need to rest today i do need to okay i do need to go hard today like that kind of stuff it just it makes it all so much less arbitrary and that has i'm been hydrating better because my huge for someone like me who yeah. likes to find excuses not to work out uh this has been kind of made that pretty foolproof my resting heart rate is too high so i'm hydrating better i stopped like having casual drinks when i don't even want one or need one because i sleep worse i recover worse when i have alcohol and the data tells me that now so a lot worse again go to whoop.com promo code no laying up uh you will love it i promise also if you need if there's more answers you're looking for there's a great whoop thread on the refuge that's the last thing i know there's like a five minute app but that that's the last thing i'll say is on the refuge go to the whoop uh thread there's a bunch of q a and stuff from just regular people yeah. talking about it. A lot of feedback. Where did you want to go next? You were excited about ROM, and I just had to talk about Whoop. 
Well, I had one last question about Rom. Do we want to talk about the fact that he marks his ball with a poker chip? Tough look. <laughs> He's <laughs> the number one player in the world, but a serial marks killer. his ball with a poker chip. I'm is, more concerned about the drinking with the glove hand, okay? I, that, I was more concerned if he's coming for Jason Kokrak's uh, <laughs> plays at the table for, you know, who's truly all in. All in 2020. <laughs> yeah. I think Kokrak may have folded this week and uh, Rom may have pushed him all in. I saw a good, uh, I, I've lost the tweet. I apologize here, but uh, a good tweet that was Does Jack thank Rom for? Taking the bulldozer to the 11T a little faster than the bulldozers could get out there. There you go. The club slam. The club slam was, was that. That was kind of where I. You, you were mentioning, you know, it was getting a little snoozy mm-hmm. in the afternoon. The club slam was like, oh, all right, all right, we're back. Now we're watching. Yeah, this this could still get off the rails. And to Rom's massive credit, we make fun of this all the time, but you know the whole. Oh, he's really uh, he's really working hard on his temper. Really trying to stay much more much more temperamental out there. Also. And, <laughs> slams his driver after while he's up by seven up by eight whatever rom killed a guy with a trident (laughs) but i will say obviously to play those last three holes the way that he did and like i mean he had to keep mega composure Mm -hmm. and he he got it up up and down on 17 and 18 right yeah and i mean those are not easy spots to get it up and down on when the greens are purple like they were i mean that was he's really good man he was he was a a treat to watch Mm -hmm. but the poker chip and oh, the water bottle psycho. very much bothered me. You, yeah. you mentioned that for anybody who didn't obsess over this the way that we did. I can't stand like the when people. I'm looking for one uh, so I can make the noise. But when people just crumble the uh, <laughs> plastic Dasani <laughs> water bottles, just <laughs> like it's a like it's like a, a Gatorade <laughs> squeeze bottle or something. It's like, dude, it's not going to come out any faster. You need to just chill out, man. And that that really shook me seeing him do that <laughs> with his glove hand. That's... He had his glove on and he's grabbing the sweaty water bottle. Oh it's god. Like, Oh, that's like that. That really kind of derailed me for a good fifteen minutes or so. And uh, then, of course, he started playing shitty. I know there, there was zero coincidence there. At uh, Zuzu Dig said, "Your thoughts on the interview with Amanda? I know he can be polarizing sometimes, but man, that was some heavy stuff there. And I like Rom more now because of that interview. I would agree. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, I thought she asked good questions, and it was a good. I mean, I, I of course will speak for probably a bunch of people. Like I had no idea that stuff was going on, and in his life and you know we don't get that without the the post-round interviews and that's why it's it's really hard to do i know and what was the stuff going on for people that didn't see it i think he had multiple people that were were rewinding it to get screenshots of his face (laughs) what what did he say multiple family members die in the last few months he had a a, i think a sibling or cousin i I even kind of forget that had just given birth but like he wasn't really able to go visit the new baby because of all the travel restrictions and quarantine stuff and it's, it's just yeah i mean he had a lot of ton of stuff going on and obviously he just got married too yeah. so he's got i think his head was probably kind of swimming with a lot of uh non-golf stuff so it's it's impressive to yeah. go out and literally take number one in the world at the same time so. and if you're craving it if you want to get to know ron better we did a podcast with him about two years ago we did a, a pro-am video with him at the bmw in 2017 he was awesome he was and the fact that he like i we shouted this out last week like he was joking on twitter after he hit a wayward drive and we you know put him on blast for it and he's a he's a he's a fun I don't want to say a fun-loving dude, but <laughs> like he gets really pissed off and stuff. But that I I I feel something when I see that. Like I couldn't muster up anything to say about Ryan Palmer this week. I just he doesn't like it. Just doesn't do anything for me. I don't dislike him, but he doesn't give you anything as a viewer. And Rom gives you something, and at the same time, 
I find myself, I do find myself rooting for Rom. I think having him involved is good for golf. I, I find myself rooting for watching Rom. I think okay. that's kind of where I'm yeah. at. I, I don't, you know, I, I still I feel like the jury's kind of out. And not that anybody, you know, it's kind of a fallacy, I think, to watch this and be like, I don't know, could I be friends with that guy? Like, I think that's probably unintentionally what a lot of people are doing when they're they're deciding whether they like someone or not, which, as we talk about with Bryson, is probably not a good way to go about this. It's mm-hmm. It should be much more just like, man, do I... Do I like watching that guy and Rom? Like, of course I like watching yeah. Rom. And part of it, if I'm being candid, is is because he might blow up at any moment. Exactly. And that's sick. Yes. <laughs> Nick Mackay, in your opinion, does Rom possess Mackie, sorry. In your opinion, does Rom possess Spanish hands? I say yes. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we I think we're good on Rom. Can we do Bryson next or do you want to do setup or do well, we listen, you, know, you mentioned Ryan Palmer? I'm not I, trying I, to avoid Fee now. No, I, I do just want to mention a couple of small things on Ryan Palmer. He missed the cut at 14 over last Amazing. week. Amazing. Same golf course. Sex tuple obviously, bogey. Obviously played extremely differently, but 14 over through 36 holes. He had something like 68 putts through 36 holes or something. Came back, just ball struck the cover off it. Number one strokes gained approach. Yeah, I don't know. Just a yeah. guy's been doing Great it. Playing. Been doing it forever. Congrats to him. Good week. Yeah, we can talk about Bryson now. Okay. Actually, there was one one more small thing because I don't know where it's going to fit in. Okay. Elsewhere. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Had bones on the bag. Mm-hmm. That was seem seemingly very random. Even like when Amanda asked him about kind of like how did that come about, it was just like, oh yeah, you know, he's a great fill in. Like, real like really. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. Great stat. You know, I told you we're going to be volleying stats back and forth. This was from uh, PJ Tour comms. There were only one round in the '60s at both the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Yeah. And this week's memorial, both of them by Matt Fitzpatrick. Round four. In, in round four, yeah. sorry, yeah. Uh, final round, rounds in the 60s. He is a grinder. Like it, That round I remember seeing, the, the coverage was all over that one and this one today. Like he just, I don't know what it is, but that's impressive. He also, big shout out, got in the U.S. Open. Uh, through. Faldo <laughs> corrected himself he on did. that one. He did. It, it's, uh, you know, honestly, if you'd put a gun to my head and said, what, you know, where's... Matt Fitzpatrick in the world rankings, I wouldn't have said twenty-seven. I would have. He's a manipulator. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can we can get to Bryson, and then I've, we've got some other heavier stuff that we need to get into after that. Okay, we got we still have so much to cover. Oh, where do we start with Bryson? <sighs> let me let me start with a question to you. Okay, so I'm we're, so excited. We're obviously extremely high. We were. Ripping Bryson PCP all <laughs> night after the uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Of course, he's touting his 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 fucking weird QAnon looking trophy <laughs> all around town. You know, <laughs> do, does this week change anything that you uh, that you you wanted to say about Bryson or that you did say about Bryson? No, not at all. You? No, not at all. But, well, a miscut why? is not that big of a deal. Like. It's not that this is guaranteed to work every week. It's that he, this is the formula that is most likely to work very well for him at the end of a season, I think. This golf course is not, the stats say, like I always go to datagolf.ca for just to look at golf courses, what the profiles of players that I didn't know those guys were Canadian. That fits that, fits that well, that? fit the course well. And driving distance is like, this is one of the last courses on tour for driving distance. Like, it being an important skill. I can't explain it as well as they do, but it's more about driving accuracy and more about your second shots into greens. And so I wouldn't think that his, you know, style would necessarily fit this hole. There's a lot of holes to take driver out of his hand. And so, no, it doesn't, nothing that happened there changes anything other than like, holy shit, that 15th hole was (laughs) so ridiculously stubborn. And I don't even think that really fits whatever's, you know, uh, strategy he was trying to invoke, but hooking it in the water, 
dropping, hitting three wood from ankle deep rough, spraying it OB, hitting another one, spraying it OB, hitting another one, almost hitting it OB, saying, oh, now I was saying, oh, I'll lay one up, and then walking off and be like, it just it wouldn't draw. It's like it's ankle deep rough, and you're trying to draw like a 10 degree three wood out of it. And oh, God, that sequence was life affirming. He gets over there. First of all, I didn't hear him call provisional. I know everyone got on me and said that he did. I tweeted something about it. Everyone said he did. I think the announcers maybe were talking over it. I always thought for a provisional, you're, you're kind of being a cop this week. You're trying to you're trying to get everybody in rules violations. You're trying. I don't know. Did that one move? Did he call provisional? Let the professionals do their job. Sorry. Sometimes they need a little help because <laughs> somebody need to look into how he took one of those drops after he took his the sole of his three wood and made himself a little uh, patch to drop in and then dropped it directly on it. Nobody ever looked into that. No one asked him about it after the round. Uh, I don't know if he declined media. No comments were ever made. They're limiting media on site. Uh, we, I had requested a credential for this event. Did not get it. I would have gladly asked him about this after the round. Was not able to. Seems to have been swept under the rug. Whatever. Gets up there. after. I always thought for a provisional, you had to declare it to your playing partner. You had to... I, he just says it to his caddy. and that's a, a, If he said it, he said it to his caddy, which... Um, whatever. Gets up there and starts to argue that his ball is in play. A rules official tells him, like, no, the rule is, like, post to post. It... it you know, this is how it works. But like a good lawyer, he, he brings up precedent. What about the ninth hole? The, not yet. The, We're not there yet. We're not oh, there yet. before that. He okay. goes, I don't believe that. I want a second opinion. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he asked Karen DeChambeau. I would love, asked love, to see, <laughs> love to see the manager, please. <laughs> wanted to see the manager of the PGA Tour. Ken Tackett comes in and tells him the same. First of all, the first rules official is laughing as he comes on the radio. I was like, uh, Slugger, can I get some help here? Ken Tackett comes in and says, like, no, man, like the rule is, yeah, it's post to post, the exact same way. They kind of go back and forth. That's when he's like, well, what? let me ask you this about. Because he was talking about wanting to hop this like wrought iron fence and hit it from the other side. Which also a nugget I was dying to share. I never could have pictured something in my life, a moment in my life where this information would have been relevant. But it was a big stink made around all the houses around Muirfield Village when they added that fence in. They had to add it in before the President's Cup for security purposes. And it was never there around that, around the golf course. They added it and they were, I could get this part wrong, but they were supposed to maybe take it out. And the, the like all the people with houses around there, wanted them taken out and they never took it out. The homeowner association, everyone was super pissed because deer have been used to running that fence. That's that fence. It's all around the golf course. They've been running around the golf course for however many years. They try to jump the fence and would get (laughs) impaled by the fence so this fence is already controversial. So Bryson got off kind of easy, to be That's honest. That's exactly what I was going to say. Bryson, God, if what was, if he would have tried to jump the fence and gotten impaled? Exactly. Oh. That's My whole life has been building to try, this moment. Really trying to protect the players exactly. out there more than anything. But I would Bryson, have... It's a health risk, man. You can't. We can't let you hit this ball. In Bryson's defense, I would have fully supported his of attempt course. to get across that fence of and course. play a shot from there. Do you there. think he would have gone over or do you think he would have tried to bend the bars like Superman? <laughs> And that right might be improving his lie, though. I walked right through the middle. How would you play? He play a shot from the other side of the fence. He wouldn't have. I think that, <laughs> like there's no fucking way. Did you see how it was sitting? Like he could have maybe like pool. I don't think you can do that. No, I, that's what I was yeah. I'm looking at. It. It's like, dude, you can't like. Uh, from what you could see on TV, obviously he yeah. got a much better view. But yeah, it didn't. He, when he said that, he's like, yeah, well, I want to jump on the other side and, and go hit the ball. <laughs> Like, I don't know how you're going to do that, man. That seems so impossible. <laughs> but then he doesn't, once he, like, the guy, the rules official says, unfortunately, that is out of bounds. Bryson doesn't say another word. He goes over and picks it up and just walks away. Right. 
Which and like he, no, he doesn't just walk away. He, he goes, says, "Oh, this is before yeah, that." He said, "They're." He's so, talking to his caddy. Yeah. And, After he call, he yells at the first rules official. He says, "They're giving me a garbage ruling as always." As always, which is straight from the Patrick Reed school of of uh, <laughs> dealing with rules officials. The greatest moment where Patrick Reed's trying to kind of I forget where that even was. That was like somewhere was in it Florida. Bay Hill. I think it was. Yeah, Bay I think Hill. it was Bay Hill. He's, he's kind of trying to like work the crowd and do like his stand up comedy vibe. Uh, of course, I can get it if you want. There's a fan living under uh, living under par, filming the whole incident, and yeah, I've got it if you want it, please. So this is Patrick Reed trying to uh, basically justify to all the fans around that like he should be allowed to take a drop. Let me see something. I see if it's abnormal. Anyone else get a drop out of there? I guess my name needs to be Jordan Speed. Patrick, you can go ahead and play away. That's fine. I want a third opinion. I'm allowed that. <laughs> which Bryson did not even ask for a third opinion, I which know. he is allowed that. Uh, guess my name's got to be Jordan Spieth, guys. <laughs> He's trying to play the room. Like, they're all, like all the fans are going to get in with him. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can play away, Patrick. Go ahead, dude. But uh, my the best part is he goes, yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. I will. I will play. Actually, I want a third opinion. <laughs> oh, God. That's good stuff, man. Oh, God. Uh, Bryson, yeah, he whines to the caddy about uh, getting the bad ruling. Doesn't acknowledge the official. Whatever. Hits up. Gets up there and then gives us the gift we've all been waiting for. Him on the green, counting his strokes, <laughs> visibly for the camera, gets to 10, uh, goes and misses the cut. It was an incredible sequence. I think I had the stats. I forget what they were. It was 26 minutes long. There were four commercial breaks. Took three drops, hit two balls out of bounds, berated two officials, two putted up, and walked away with 10 strokes. It was life-affirming. I do, I do want to give credit. He shot 76 with a 10. Yeah. Which is a really good player. Which is pretty good. <laughs> they covered it really, really well. Oh, it was great. Aside from the commercials, of course, but... Yeah, and and granted, I don't. Yeah, there probably wasn't much else going on on the golf course. But shout out to Golf Channel, man, on that one. That was kind of exactly what we're talking about. It's like, dude, just just let me bask in this for a little bit. To be this clear, it's great. shout out CBS. It's a CBS production yeah, on true. Golf Channel. So for as much as we you know we tear them down, we are always give them credit when they get something right. But uh, to that point, I was kind of frustrated with like the whole media approach and everything. It, I at least needed somebody to tell me he declined media, which I don't. I don't know if that happened. I got no, we got nothing out of that. Nobody asked him about the drop smoothing out the lie before he drops it. Surely someone asked him in his pre-tournament press conference about the Brooks comments. Oh, that brings me to another <laughs> point, DJ. I'm so glad you asked that. He held a 21-minute press conference leading up to the tournament, and no one asked him about Brooks Kepka, one of the top players in the world, four-time major champion, and sworn enemy of Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> alleged throwing a steroids lob at him uh, via social media, and no one thought to ask him about it. PGA Tour ducked out of pairing them together and did not do that uh, on PGA Tour Live on Thursday and Friday uh, for I could not tell you what apparent reason. Um, it was right there in front of them, and they refused to do that after that's exactly what golf fans wanted to see. That whole sequence of events was extremely frustrating. Yeah, listen, cosign. Brooks, granted, Brooks, Rory, and Tiger is a good... A sure. Good consolation prize, but, but that means nothing to me. I would have. Yeah, we can do that next week. We're going to watch them Not play. Week, it doesn't I mean. mean anything yeah. to watch them play next to each other. It would have been 
damn cool to see Brooke, some of Brooks's reactions to the lines Bryson's taking yeah. and like see how far Bryson hits it past Brooks now to see if Bryson could beat Brooks. Does Bryson maybe have a comment after the round about the fact that, you know, Brooks said this about him and you just beat him on the golf course. Do you have any comment on that? He would have said something stupid. We can count on that. Maybe get some hot mics on the greens. How, for sure. How, how are they interacting with each other? Someone takes a ruling, perhaps, you know? And if maybe we, one guy pumps two balls out of bounds and is yelling at a rules <laughs> official, maybe we have a playing competitor next to him kind of thinking what's going on. Uh, yeah, that could have been an absolute bonanza. Oh, but. Uh, le- one more question on Bryson. So I- I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, people jumping, you know, to jump to conclusions, Matt. Uh, people, you know, well, this was set up like a major and Bryson missed the cut. Ergo, Bryson can't play majors. What, what, what do you think about that? Um, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't love it. I don't think it's like apples to apples here. Um, I think this is a nightmare setup potentially for Bryson. Like this kind of style is not ideal and he's not formulated this approach to, you know, for this. I will, I will say like this golf course is not Harding Park. Correct. <laughs> like Harding yes. Park, just because it's a major does not mean it's going to look like what we saw no. this week. It's going to be, be great Bryson for Bryson. Golf. It's yeah. going to be very, very good for Bryson. Um, so it, Muirfield, like, like we were, that goes back to what we were talking about. It's just not a bomber's paradise. And if the PGA Championship looks like Beth Page did last year, Bryson's going to do very, very well. Like, lo- And it doesn't change how I feel about Augusta. It doesn't change. Like, no. No, no, no. Any of that stuff. I, I'm still, I'm still as high or higher on, maybe not higher. I'm still as high on Bryson as I was. And I think week. another week at, like, if he'd have played the work day there, I think he would have done very, very well. Yeah. I don't think it's like that's his kryptonite. It's just that's a rare occasion you're going to see PGA Tour golf courses look like that. Well, let's get the setup here shortly. I believe you would like to take a victory lap on on Mr. Finau. Well, you brought it up. Uh, I would love to. Let I'm not going to hide. You know, I'm not even going to. I won't even start. I'll give you the floor to start. Um, you know, come come get your boy, man. Like, I don't know what to say. What did you say? He was going to win more than who or something? You, you said he was going to win like eight times this year or something? Oh, this is what you guys do. This is what you guys do. Before the COVID hit, I boldly claimed he was going to win two times this year. On the PGA Tour? Yeah. Okay. Got a little. Who could say how many times? Maybe I was low on that because who could say how many right. times he would have no, totally. won during the the of course the the layoff. Uh, I thought he was looking good coming in. I mean, he had a obviously he was circulated a, the story of he bogeyed the seventeenth hole and shot fifty nine at his home course. He played that Wednesday charity. Which we can thing. read into that later sure. if, you, if you want. <laughs> but he played that thing on Wednesday and shot like thirty in, in um, when the course. I mean, it wasn't super tournament condition yet, but it was not super easy. Graham McDowell made that course look pretty difficult at that point and was filling it up all the way up until the twelfth hole on uh, on Saturday. He was he got it to twelve under par. From there on in, he played it in ten over. Listen, it didn't go well. It's not gonna. It's not gonna get it done. It will not get it done. Let me let me preface it with this. Uh, I really want Tony Finau to play well. I want to root for him on Sundays. And people can hit me with, you know, the man in the arena dot JPEG if they want uh, to kind of say like, hey, you know, winning's hard. And dude, I know all that stuff. But for all the shit people give Ricky for not getting it done, like Ricky's won six times, man. And it, five times, six times. Five, Five on the PGA times. Tour, yeah. Plus Scottish Open, right? He won Abu Dhabi, which always gets discount. Continue. Continue. Rick, Ricky's got some wins, and Finau. Not that I don't, you know, I don't think anybody's really stacking him up as like, oh my god, he's the next great superstar. But man, he seems like he gets a pass for for having one PGA Tour win. 
the Puerto Rico Open. And of course, some of this could be the curse. Of course. Uh, the, the Puerto Rico Open curse, you know, nobody goes on to win another event. But damn, man, like we, I think we, oh, yeah. I feel like we need to start at least talking about this face on. It's like, we've been talking about it. We've we been have, talking yeah. about it. I don't see it anywhere else, really. Like, I, I don't know. Like, this is wild. I he, did some digging. Okay. You're going to like this. Okay. You're going to like it. This is, of course, courtesy of our, my, our good friend, Justin Ray. Over the past 40 years, uh, here are the number of play, the players with zero to two wins, 30 or more top 10 finishes, and an average of four or more top 10 finishes per season. Okay. So it's very... It's a lot of qualifiers. It's a lot of qualifiers, but basically it's like, who's a dude that year after year is consistently in the top 10, but doesn't win a lot? Okay. That's what we're trying to get at. Don Pooley, Dan Pohl, Bo Van Pelt, Jack Renner, Tony Finau, Graham Dillette. Yeah. So it's, I mean, he's got 36 career top tens in one win and Here, six runner ups. Here's another, a little simpler stat. Most top tens without a win on the PJ Tour since the beginning of 2016. Tony Finau, 28, 28 times in the top 10 without a win in the last four years. Tommy Fleetwood, 16. Kevin Streelman, 15. Ben on, 15. So he has 12 more than the next guy. It's a lot. I think so. It can go two ways. Listen, winning's very hard. It I, is. I, I totally get it. But damn, man, yeah. It's like if this is going to be in an entertainment product, you know, and it's yeah, it, it can't just be like you know what everyone tried their hardest, man. Like that's that's all you can that's say. Fair. And everyone's everyone's trying their hardest out there. Otherwise, like there's there's got to be some intrigue in uh, this guy won and this guy lost, right? Yes, I think so. It's two ways. The the six runner ups can go one of two ways is the way you want to look at it. Have don't you want not, to punish somebody for, for having a great week. Yeah, of course. No. And have you, has he really not closed out the tournaments or has he gotten kind of some bad luck as it comes down the stretches of one of them? Some of them, of course he's not played well on Sundays, but dude, the waste management this year, that was tough. He got beat. Got beat. Yes. That, that was unfortunate. He had questionable strategy on the 17th hole, but, but Webb Simpson that, went and got him. Even in, even that in the 28 top tens that are included in that, you know, since the beginning yeah. of 2016, it's like, man, I don't remember him being in the stretch, like in contention over the last nine holes on Sunday very much. It mm -hmm. feels like a lot of what we saw today where it's like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, second group, second group from the back. He's in the final group, yep. whatever. And he goes out and plays in one, two, three over or something. And then he makes a couple more birdies, you know, when it's kind of irrelevant on 10, 11, 12 or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's too big to uh, to ignore. Do you think he won't win? No, I think he will win, okay. but I think it's like, I think you, like I was talking to a, a guy that was in the field this week and they're talking about watching him hit the ball and I'm kind of asking about, you know, him versus Bryson and, and whatever, because there, there's been kind of the talking point about, you know, about, you know, Tony's leaving some in the tank and if he really wanted to, to go after it, he could, he could move it like Bryson does. And that was exactly what this player was saying was like, dude, he's on another level, man. Like he can do stuff that like other guys cannot do. And he, it looks really effortless when he does it. And it's like, if, if we get through the next few years and he has like one win to show for it, two wins to show for it, that just feels like a massive disappointment. Yep. <clears throat> You're getting choked up. No, <laughs> really emotional. The dude can fill it up. Like I don't know yes. how I don't know how tough he is. Like when it got tough as of Saturday afternoon and into Sunday, it I don't I didn't see a lot there. But he makes making birdies look really easy, which is weird because I do feel like he plays. I mean, he plays proper golf. Yeah, you know, like when conditions are tough at a major Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even sometimes Sunday. Like 
he's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can he can do it. It's not like it's a a situation of like, well, the golf course just got too hard for him. I mean, he yeah. he obviously can play. Yeah, it's just it's so disappointing. And I, it's not like the. <laughs> You can definitely argue this because this is just a feeling I have, but it's not like it feels like the moment is too big for him. Like what we saw in him at the Ryder Cup, it didn't yeah. never looked like no, he you, seems very even keel. Right. He has a lot of like Ricky in him in that yeah. in that regard. Right. right? So yeah. And, and I don't even mean that as a slight. Right. I mean that as no, a compliment. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think listen, it's I, fair. I would love to I'll see. I'll take him. it every time he's he's close and doesn't doesn't get it done. I, I've said he, I think that he will win. Uh and I think it's been a reflection of some bad luck and some bad play on on Sundays that has not gotten it done. So, well, listen, my my fingers are crossed, but they're increasingly uncrossing. When he does you win, need... you might have need to call in sick. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> so that's that's fine. You want to talk some course? Muirfield Village. Yeah, big topic of discussion this week. What, um, what made it look the way that it did today? Let's, let's break it down that that way. I mean, why why was it playing so hard? So. For a lot of reasons, I think. One, they wanted to kind of differentiate the course from the Workday Charity Open, uh, which was obviously held at the same course last week. Two, uh, the golf course is getting ready to... Un- I, I feel like they mentioned this on there, but in case they did not mention this, the golf course is getting ready to undergo a, a great big renovation. Complete, complete renovation. So they were really not too worried about pushing it very far. Now, of course, we're getting to see Mirfield Village in July, which we usually see it in May. It's usually a rain-soaked week. Not till July, my friend. Not till July, my friend. They got some really good weather as far as baking the course out this week, got the greens firm, and that's how Jack would like to see it. Chief, I, Chief Leatherlips yeah. got to chill out this week a little bit. He, he looked like he was going to buck. Yeah. He kind of chimed in to be like, hey, I'm, I'm here, boys. God, the Chief Leatherlips legend is one of my favorites. Can you do that in 30s? I, I guess being from Dublin, Ohio, I should Please. be able to do it. But yeah. It's a complicated, long story, but basically there's a, supposedly a curse from an old uh, Native American chief uh, in the area that you know his grave site was once moved in Dublin, and he apparently curses the tournament every year by making it rain during the memorial. So, and it always rains. It always <laughs> did. Like, oh my God, some of those years in like the <laughs> '90s and early 2000s were just complete disasters. So yeah, they're going to renovate it all, and they were able to bake it out, and they didn't care if the greens died today, and they tucked the pins in the corners. And if he dies, he dies. He dies. <laughs> and Jack apparently, I most certainly would appear has a lot of influence in how this tournament gets set up. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily dictating where the pins are, but he wants it to play. He, he This is the kind of conditions you mostly dream of for a golf tournament. There's a lot of people chiming in, like, why can't this happen more frequently? And then, like, literally probably thousands of reasons why it can't happen well, more frequently. Well, no, I, I would push back there. I think there's two different questions. There's yep. why can't this happen more frequently, and there's why can't this happen every week. Okay. Are two very different yeah. things, right? Like, this can't happen every week because, like, it does rain a lot, and it does. Yeah. There are not all golf courses are set up to do this. And, and I would actually argue drainage is a yeah. thing. And like, I don't ahead. necessarily think this golf course is that well set up for these kind of conditions. We can agree. No, we'll get to that. No, but yeah. I agree. But I think they were able to push it because of all the reasons you, yes. you mentioned. But I, I will say, like, why doesn't it, like, it could happen more frequently? It could. I don't think it's that realistic, though. Yeah. I think it probably would be somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, I think that the, you know, there's uh, a reason why the USGA fucks it up every time they try to do this. Yes, it's very hard to do. But yeah, I would struggle to believe that the the PJ Tour doesn't have a little bit of room to push it. They definitely a, do on a weekly. I'm not arguing that. But I think some of that possibly could come back to what we said kind of at the top of the pod, where it's like, you know, sometimes softer conditions and bunch leaderboards like makes for better TV. So mm-hmm. as a golf fan, like I would disagree with that as far as my personal yeah. viewing. But I would. You understand Absolutely that. Absolutely understand and like listen to that case. Mm-hmm. 
I would say that when it's more bunched, you're you're probably going to get more non superstars. Mm-hmm. But be that as it may, I guess. Yeah, I think it would be a lot more taxing to watch this style of golf, to play and watch this style of golf week in and week out. Well, let me ask you this: If you're, it's kind of a weird question because the, you know, the tournaments or the the schedule is so disjointed, but with everything that's been going on, but. If you're picking your favorite tournaments that we've watched this year, I mean, Arnold Palmer and this week are in my top five yeah, for but sure. Maybe my top three. In both circumstances, like the issue I have with these got, got both Bay Hill and Muirfield Village, they're not that well suited for the conditions because they don't give you options to get to certain hole locations when it's this firm. So Muirfield Village Greens are surrounded by ankle-deep rough, yeah. every single one of them. Some of the places, it's kind of shaved down near the banks. Shout out to travelers, of course, and, and whatnot. But I hate even like making this statement because you're, they're not trying to be a British Open golf course. But what makes the British Open so great to watch is those golf courses are designed for different winds. And hey, when it's really firm on the greens, there's most likely a route to the hole in some way. You can play a run-up shot. You can land a ball in the fairway and watch it bounce on. They have a little bit of that in some circumstances, like 13, that, that front yeah. left pin was really cool. You could bounce it in the fairway and watch it bound up onto that green and kind of run away from you. There's a little bit of that, but around the whole place, a lot of the shots are are not, I don't want to say impossible, but it's just like there's not a route to the hole. Which I thought a perfect example of one where there was, was number one today. Yep. Where the pin is kind yes. of back left and the 100%. whole slope goes back left. And so you saw like Rory and Spieth play that hole. Mm-hmm. And, they both kind of sort of use the slope, but not as much as they could have, to, which would have been like an, an expert shot, right? So instead they have you and, know, an average shot, and it, it gets rewarded yes. averagely. And so and now was out of – he hit it 417 off one, but was on the far left side of the fairway, and he, did, he had a bad angle. like right. that. So if we want to talk about ways to combat distance, like we're, we're on to it right there because Finau bombed at 417 and had no shot at the pin, and he was in the fairway. That's awesome. Yeah. That is – the next step in the conversation for how can we combat these huge distance gains is like Royal Melbourne on certain days, hitting driver on a hole wasn't the right answer because it puts you in a spot where you couldn't get it close to the hole. And we saw a lot of that. So but that is cool. In order to do that in a place like Dublin, Ohio right. in July, you have to push the greens to the absolute limit and get a lot of wind and blow them up the next day. Cause I don't <laughs> right. know what would have happened to them yeah. if they would have kept them like this. Uh, but so like, hopefully the like width and angles, whatever conversation makes a lot more sense in that context, right? So if number one fairway was three times as wide, that'd be really cool if like the route today was down the right side to that back left pin, but on an earlier day, the route was down the left side. That's why everyone wants to be like, for to combat distance, we need to just grow the rough up and plant trees. Everyone's like, dude, like that is not going to be fun. Yeah. That l- really limits shot making. You want to see guys like try to get at holes and stuff. It's not from ankle deep rough because that just dumbs down the pros to be able to not even play fun approach shots. And I do think there's probably some room for variety you know, in, in like every facet of this conversation, because I will say like watching Harbortown, I know this year because it was played in June and that was, you know, there was no wind and it was kind of a dartboard out there, but that's one where it's really tight. And it's like, no, the challenge is hit the fairway. Yeah. And if you can't, you, you probably have a route to the hole, like yeah. through some sort of weird punches. And I guess what I'm getting at is even I'm kind of down for a lot of different ideas right now. Cause I almost feel like you need to prove a concept like this mm-hmm. just like in in practice and sometimes that's you get bad luck where you have a golf course like Aaron Hills 
where you know the wind doesn't blow on the one given week you know it's been, they've been planning it for six years and on that one given week the wind doesn't blow and you know everybody's like oh see that course is dumb and it's like that yeah we, we run the risk of doing that but it's like if you want to try some different shit and like see how it works, I'm all I'm down for that too. So if you want to go to, I'm trying to think of a good example of one. I, I, they don't play Firestone anymore, but like that would have been a good example of one where it's like, all right, cool, just grow the rough up and let's you know, see how fun this is. Yeah, let's see how fun this is. Exactly. And I would venture, I guess it wouldn't be very fun. Right. I'd be a great winner, like it always is at Firestone. But I think that has to do more with the field than. Uh, the actual golf course and it's pga tour rule about ro- uh, growing up rough because guys were hurting their wrists and that's a serious issue for yeah. the dudes that make this many reps like i've got a right wrist thing going on i had it, a ball sit in the rough this weekend i hit it and it had a shooting pain up my wrist that's the last thing the tour wants for their players and i'll say this like Beerfield village is a great especially in conditions like this a great 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 execution test right so there is so much shot value on that golf course right now. Meaning, you better step up and hit a good drive in the fairway. If you're not in the fairway, you are going to pay a price. Your approach shot has gotten decidedly harder. Like that kind of balance, I am all in on yeah. restoring that. I don't think necessarily Muirfield Village is a good combination of strategic and ex- executing test. Like Royal Melbourne was a strategic exercise and also obviously a great execution test. But like some of the shots at Mirafield Village are, dude, number 12, that <laughs> shot, everyone that is a golf fan, if you ever get a chance to go to this tournament, go stand on that tee and watch guys hit that shot. It is a nightmare shot. The wind is always blowing. You're elevated, so the ball's going to stay in the air longer. There is zero place to bail it. And that's where it's like, it's not a risk-reward hole. It is, dude, step up and hit a great shot. Like, yeah. a, not a good one. You got to hit like a really great one. You got to get the yardage right. You got to get the line right. You might be in the water. You might be on a bunker. You might be on a slope above. Like it is just, and if you miss it, you are going to make bogey in all likelihood. And that's what makes it for a great PGA Tour tournament course, I think, because it's just execution test, execution test, execution test. Restoring some of that balance and like seeing how different strategies could be rewarded, I think, is the, to take this from an eight point five to a ten would be. But well, one, one thing I'll say about twelve too is that makes it harder. Is there's nowhere to lay up for. <laughs> What a transition. <laughs> Phil Mickelson laid up on the 16th hole today. Um, Which is a, what, 190 yards per three? 173 yards today okay. to the pin. And he laid up with a pitching wedge. Putted <laughs> it from there from 43 yards. Uh, made four. A lot of people were like, this is a protest. Like, what? I honestly think, like, he that was, was Shinnecock. What he did on number seven, hit it in one of the bunkers, uh, hit in the bunker one of the days. That's like, my best way of playing this rock hard par three is not to land a ball on it. And I don't doubt that strategy. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I'm sure I the numbers think, will say differently. Well, I but, also think it helps that, you know, he's going through there at, at noon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on a, on Sunday. Like, I, I don't, he also, if, he, if he's in the last 78 group, yards on 13, yeah, which if he's in the last group and in contention, like, I don't think he's doing any of this shit, but no. Listen, maybe he's just, yeah. he's trying to find the outer boundary, man. What, what, how far can I possibly push it? He said he played the whole nine over to that point. So the four actually improved his scoring average on it. And <laughs> he was uh, very cordial after the round, yeah. by, by all accounts. All his, all his quotes, none of it was like, he wasn't going to shred Jack, though. No. Well, that's true. It, but it wasn't his normal passive aggressive. Yeah. You know, there was just no other yeah. way to play that, uh, you know, a hole that's set up that way. I just, you know, I had to do that. So that not only he putted it from 78 yards on 13 said, I saw that playing out differently in my mind. (laughs) 
then made a full swing flop from the fairway from Greenside. That was just a, a wonderful, wonderful Phil segment. He drove 14 uh, also in between that. But Hitting bombs. Some good questions, though, we got about the golf course still. from. I just wanted to mention while we're talking about it in case we don't get back to it, 16 is a disgrace. Horrible golf <laughs> hole. It's been there for a decade now, and they never fixed it. I was going to say, the, when you're talking about execution, 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 and then you get to 16, it's like, well, I don't know. Don't matter. Maybe you'll get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll get like a super high bounce, and it'll stop next to the hole, or you'll get a rocket bounce that like goes and nestles down in the bird's nest rough. I, it, I don't know. Good luck, man. They're incapable of putting that pin in a decent spot. They, they don't look at the wind forecasts, or they don't give a shit either way. I don't know. That hole's getting blown up. Jack, I actually thought Jack had really interesting comments on course design in general when he was in the booth. Terry Gannon did a great job picking his brain on a lot of these things, but talking about how you know guys were blowing it over the bunker on 13, and he was he was quick to say, like, we got to change this. Like, there's going to be a bunker put in. We're going to have some trees put in. Uh, it's 50 yards wide where these guys are landing it, and only 25 if you go around the bunker like to the right, like the proper way he would have designed the hole, and he's just like, we got that backwards. But he was quick to say, I'm not trying to quit guys from hitting it down there. If you hit a great shot and do that and the conditions dictate it, by all means, go ahead. We just got to restore the risk back in this. And I was just like, thank you. Like That is the conversation right there. All the changes, I found myself nodding along with him talking about all the changes they were going to be making uh, to the course because I felt like a lot of the tinkering they've done over recent years has not been to the benefit of the golf course, in my opinion. I don't really know the specifics. I mean, just like 16, 17, and 18 have all changed yeah. drastically over the last 20 years. And I think they're three pretty bad golf holes, right. to be honest. Uh, their execution tests, sort of. 17's not really. but 17's a tough look. Like being there, you know, in person and seeing that golf hole, and you're kind of like, oh my God, this is like the hardest. Like standing back there on that tee, yeah. I remember vividly being like, holy sh- how do you play this hole? And then just seeing guys like bang it all the way down the hill. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, that, yeah, I don't think that's that's not how it's supposed to go. No. Barbara, they keep bombing it <laughs> over the bunkers. Like down the hill. <laughs> um, uh, I had a cu- just a couple more player notes before we get to uh, questions, if you want. Uh, okay. Jason Day, back-to-back top tens for the first time since, I think, 2018. Yeah. Uh, people dunk on Jason home Day. Course. It's Of course, it's a home game for him. Uh, he's got that, of course, Dublin, Ohio accent. Um <laughs> People, of course, like to dunk on Jason Day a lot, and everything is deeply, deeply dramatic around him, seemingly. But I, I feel for the guy, man. Like that back injuries suck, yeah. and seeing him like, I'm not questioning at all. Of course, I'm sure he's in like extreme pain. I just can't do the calculus in my head how he can hit it 350 yards and like not get the ball out of the hole. That that doesn't make sense to me, but. I, I wish him nothing but the best, and I think it's it's good yeah. that he's uh, finding some form. It does make sense to me. It's it's weird how some back injuries work of contorting. I don't know. I get what you're getting at. It's weird. I'm not even questioning it. I'm right, just like, no. dude, I can't wrap my head around how that's possible, that you can be that flexible in one way yeah. and that inflexible in another yeah. way, seemingly with the same muscles. Can I ask a couple course questions that we have, or do you have any other player notes? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Sorry, I thought we were moving. Nope. On. So I think we can answer this quickly. At Frazier W, was the course right at the line or over the line on Sunday? I thought it was right at the line. I thought so, too. I, I thought didn't it was think great. It, I thought it'd be worse. Yeah. I didn't think it was over the line in any way. I, I mean, 16 no, sucks. I'm trying like, to think of, like, I, I didn't think the only one I could see, and I, it's hard to tell from TV, like, if he landed it on a downslope or what, but the ROM one on, I believe, 15? The on thirteen or thirteen, sorry, yeah, yeah. the he, where he had a gap wedge. It looked like he hit it pretty good at the front of the green. And he was in the rough all though, all wasn't he? Back. 
He was in the first cut, but okay. it even looked like it was kind of sitting up. Maybe it wasn't, but that that was one that I know Nabilo said that too. Like that's the difference between being in the fairway and the yeah. rough. And so maybe it was a worse lie than it looked, but that thing ricocheted. I didn't think it was unfair, but that was the only one that I was kind of like, oh, whoa, whoa, that's that. I wasn't expecting that. Everything else seemed pretty like pretty in line with what you'd think, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the bad shots got punished and the, the good shots got rewarded, I thought, for the most part. Bear with me on this. Okay. Um, the, it, <laughs> promise. It reminded <laughs> me of the second round of the Gasparilla that I played in, in that, no, and here's why. The greens got, it was 48 degrees, 20 mile an hour winds, and the greens got baked, and they were, it was like putting on glass. And the extra stress that adds on everything around the hole a chip that would go to three feet normally, right? Like the precision it takes to chip it to three feet when it's pretty soft, is uh, uh, that chip is now going to go to six feet yes. in all likelihood no, I, on greens like that. On repeat, you have to make slick six footers when the ball's not really even gripping the grass, again and again and again. Well, and that's what I was trying to point out with Rom too. And yeah, I, I know it's obvious, but it's like. Anybody who was kind of thinking like, oh gosh, he was, you know, he tried to he tried to kick it away. Yeah. He he was nervous. Nope. Like, no, it was so hard, and he so actually hard. held it together pretty outstandingly. Yeah, he had the one the bad double on the par five, and like, but even other than that, it was like that was a bad tee shot, and you know, may, maybe compounded mistakes a little bit, but he played pretty yeah pretty flawlessly. Other than that, oh, that shot he hit on twelve after that was <laughs> yeah. first of all really dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think on twelve or sixteen. I, I don't. Maybe he was trying to no, go. No, no, he was the, not. Either of those pins. I know sixteen, he wasn't. But yeah. twelve. You know, I know he plays kind of a, a little cut usually, yeah, right? But was, like that was, that was risky. That was jarring yeah. to see that line. Um, SC Buckeye. Uh, if this was a USGA run or a regular tour event, not put on by Mister Nicholas, would there have been more player reactions on course conditions over the weekend? I don't know, man. I'm I'm trying to. Uh, I hope I'm not missing anything, but like I hope. That's exactly how the U.S. Open plays. Yeah, right? like that's exactly how it should look. They'd be in, so lucky, in, in yeah. my opinion. I, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I, I'm. I know I just said that, but like I, I can't. It's I a fair can't question. A, it is. Like, would they have been bitching at the USGA? Same thing. Same setup. Like, would they bitch at the USGA and give Mister Nicholas a pass? I think. I, I think there would have been more. Definitely. I, I think you would have needed a more. I think where they lose it with the USGA is more, almost more like putting related, right? Where like when they're looking like fools on the greens, yeah. where it's like, dude, how I yeah. just three putted from eight feet. Like this is bullshit. How am I supposed to? You know, I can't leave it. I can't right. leave it the, below the hole here. I can't do this. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Like. And I didn't really see any of that. I felt I thought everybody looked like fairly in control yeah. with putting. Maybe we were just watching good putters, but yeah. it, it seemed like the it seemed like the challenge was much more like you were saying in the second shot and balls running through the greens because they weren't hitting the right either right trajectory, right flight, right shape, any of that stuff. And so I would, as someone who you know rarely gives players the benefit of the doubt, I, I would give players the benefit of the doubt here that I think they would have been fine with this if it was a usga setup yep uh last one on setup uh rom made a comment on saturday afternoon after his brilliant 68 saying he was one of the, one of the most rounds he was most proud of in his life said something like oh a, a scratch player you know couldn't break 80 they could oh he couldn't break 90 I, I think you get four scratch players in a scramble out there and they couldn't break par and that's where I have to draw the line. Like so that's the question that we got was from Joe Brycey. Do you think the NLU boys could have beaten Rom's sixty-eight on Saturday in a scramble? And and what do you say? That's a different question than what Rom had proposed. To Rom's question, like could four scratch players break par? Uh, you know, at, at that setup, literally one hundred percent of the time. 
And that is not to say like the line between pros and scratch isn't that big. The exact opposite. I could not respect the gap between a scratch player and a tour pro, especially one literal, the number one player in the world more than I do. But the fact that people continue to so boldly discount the value of a scramble blows my mind. Everyone has played in these things before. Okay. Like you have played with 15 handicaps and you've shot in gross 63s with that happening. And I know the course setup's hard. I know all that, but like what makes to like this weekend and Saturday was much more tame than Sunday. And he said this after Saturday. So, so to be clear, what makes the difference between the top player and the scratch player is like the scratch players mistakes are going to get exacerbated right. like horribly. And that's what gets limited in a scramble. Like uh, if you get four scratch players up there, you're going to get a ball in the fairway. What? 12 of 14 holes at minimum. Yeah. In all likelihood, you're going to hit 12 greens. Probably. I know it's firm as hell, but you get four shots at it. You're like, I, I have to think so. And if you get four chips from green side, you're, you may, are you making two bogeys? Probably. I would say, yeah. I think you're birdie in the par fives. Probably a making couple a couple of birdies. Them. Yeah. Um, it's not like going to be easy per se, but the value of a scramble, like the reason why a scratch would shoot 85 on his, his own ball is you would put some in the water. You would put some in horrible spots where you can't get up and down. And the difference in the in the scrambles, you wouldn't have to play it from the horrible spot in all likelihood. There's only one way to find out. And, you know, I don't Somebody know how hard us. we need to rob it, you know, keep lobbying for this. They need to have the regular guy group on Sunday's telecast for sure at the same time. I was, maybe it's a cultural uh, difference in what is a called a scramble, which I believe in the UK is maybe called Ambrose is what I heard. But Greg Chalmers and Ian Poulter got in on it laughing. Like uh, I think Poulter said that you couldn't break 80 in a scramble, which I was like, well, that this might speak a little bit to like, these guys are sociopaths who just like, (laughs) Like what they do is is the pinnacle of human achievement. Yeah, and so they have to be like that because otherwise they wouldn't have like made the PJ Tour. So I think they're probably shooting from the hip a little bit. And, a uh, little bit, but it, it it reeks of like you have no idea. Hard is like we are saying the opposite of yeah. this, sir. It is purely <laughs> a format thing. I want nothing to do with you in a stroke metal play event head to head. But give me and my boys in a scramble. Oh hell yeah! Like are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, Listen, I'm I'm with you. Man, I, we, I would we happily ride. Well, I'm not a scratch, but uh, you know, I'd I'd happily film it. We've been talking about this since February. The five NLU guys against Max and Shane Bacon, another sociopathic tour player. Yeah, who thinks he would win. We've been talking about that this for a long, long time, and I promise we are going to do it. The COVID uh, kind of threw a little curveball at it. We're going to smoke them. <laughs> Tron being lefty changes things a little. It changes bit. Changes the dynamic. It's a little sure. bit. But Randy's good now. Yes, Randy's good, and five people in a scramble. I, I know the talent level of those two, but I still I've got a massive practice plan I'm, I'm putting yeah. in play right now. I, I've been literally practicing the last few weeks, going to the to the golf course just to practice. Well, more on that to come. But that is wild, man. We're uh, you know we're we're getting we're getting there. Also, I, I meant to mention Phil. Uh, Phil's new ambush marketing. Did you see this? The coffee cup thing. This is going to be a thing now, right? Leaving coffee cups in the camera line as he goes to putt on the greens. There's going to be a new tour rule on that or something. I don't I, even want to give the shout out to whatever the. I was just was assumed there, it was. Uh, yeah, I was just. I don't know. I've never seen anybody carry like a beverage with them yeah. more than just like a water bottle that goes right back in the bag. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He looks like he's he's you know. First guy off at like your local golf club, you know, he's got the 720 tea time and he's finishing his coffee from home and it's, that's unreal. Um, the cat, 
hour and yeah, 12 in. I haven't talked about say, the cat. That, that was, you know, one of my, my many player notes. First of all, there's, we say this a lot, I think, but every now and again, you just get like shot in the face with a, a stat about the cat where you're just like, Whoa, what? God, that guy's good. Just the fact, very simple, that he's never missed a cut at the Memorial. 18 for 18. He did shoot 85 one year, but he did on a Saturday. Of course, shout out to Zach Blair for ending his career <laughs> potentially temporarily. Uh, I just that's that's wow. just worth recognizing in itself. Uh, you know, I think it was. Uh, I don't want to oversimplify, but probably, you know, they are who we thought they were at least this week. He's rusty. He's playing his first event in what four months. It was a bit of a role. It was a. He's the now the betting favorite three holes into the event, which actually <laughs> happened. And oh yeah, he's rusty. That makes sense, but. I did find it. I'm surprised people didn't freak out. I, I missed most of it was around Friday. Maybe it was just more freak out on on Friday. But some of those swings he was making. A little ginger walking around. Beyond ginger. Yeah. It was the back wasn't there. And his quotes after was just like, yeah, there's, there's going to be days where that happens. And I, I just, I really hope we don't get a day, like another major championship run, and we get a day where the back does that. Yeah. Like, well, I which, hope. Honestly, I, I don't want to be morose, yeah. but. We should probably prep for that. That's going to happen. <laughs> probably, but... Like, it's just going to happen. Yeah. I think that's like his whole... I know. I, I feel more well-adjusted. Uh, I Maybe I've finally hit the last uh, stage of grief with, with the cat, but uh, and I'm, I'm just full acceptance now, but I felt I feel very okay now when he's in the tournament and just doesn't you know, doesn't really have it. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, so that's kind of the new normal. Some, some weeks he'll have it, some weeks he won't. The, and the he, quote, his quote though Friday was a tough, tough read. How are you doing with aging? It's a challenge, is the question, I guess. Uh, Tiger Woods, aging is not fun. Early on in my career, I thought it was fantastic because I was getting better and better and better, and now I'm just trying to hold on. Which be like, we all know that, but I don't want to hear Tiger say that. Like, don't say that, bud. Come on. <laughs> you, you need to accept it, man. We need to uh, we need to smile about what happened what happened last year and not assume that that's going to keep happening. I know that that that's and I don't. At least in this household, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we've been delusional about this continuing no. on for in any way. And that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm getting at. Yeah. And that's, I think he did the things like people probably expected him to hit his irons great. He was yep. fifth in strokes gained approach, uh, which is very very good. Extremely fifty sixth in putting. It's you bad know, couldn't find my speed. Yeah, and fortieth off the tee. So it's like, yeah, he's just not gonna. You it's know, pretty pedestrian. That that speaks to kind of the balky back. It speaks to not really being kind of under the gun for a couple months. And, you know, it speaks to being the best iron player of all time. So I think it's kind of a, you know, I think I think it was kind of to be expected, at least a little bit. I'm you, not disappointed, not yeah. overhyped, not anything. I think it's just what feels like a pretty normal week. Do you have any uh, Amsterdam, take, any coverage takes? The only coverage takes I, I had, I'll keep it very brief. I actually thought CBS did a, a really good job with Rom coming down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I do want to say I think... This might be an unpopular opinion. I think Dottie Pepper's getting better. I think she's finding her stride a little more. I think she's not trying to do the the stand up comedy routine uh, anymore. I think it's just being very. She's she's given a lot more um, specifics on just like here's the golf shot and here's how it's going to play, and yeah. I find her very like very helpful in okay. in a lot more instances. What I did not find helpful was when they go to weather delay. And it's I at at the time that this happened, I was just looking up photos of uh, people forget Roger Maltby was the inaugural champion at the Memorial Tournament. So I'm like just getting wistful looking at all these old cool pictures of Roger Maltby. I'm like, God, this tournament's been around for so long. It's got so many cool winners. 
Like, all right, we're in weather delay. We're going to throw it to a replay. And in my head, I'm like, oh, good. the Cats won here 165 times. Like, maybe we watch, you know, who did he have his shootout with? Furick uh, one year, I think, right? Or maybe Furick won one year. Furick beat him one year, yeah. Pulling out from the bunker, right, on 18 or something like that. Paul Azinger hold out from the bunker one year, but continue. Uh, anyways, <laughs> listen, there's a lot of cool <laughs> to shit. To your point, yeah. show us and we'll remember it. A lot of cool stuff. Who do they put up? Uh, Matt Kuchar versus Kevin Chapel in 2013, and Kyle Stanley, and Kyle Stanley to a much lesser extent. He was he was further back. I, he was I too think. back when they really? when they cut him off off the cover. Well, he yeah. finished he finished further back. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't want to watch that. Get that shit that get that away from me. Like I'm no, this is the opposite of what I want to watch, and that speaks. I'm massively projecting, and I'm sorry, I'm going over my hamster damn time here. I'm massively projecting on this, but that speaks so much to me on like, ah, eh, well they'll watch it. Yeah, like this is what you know. Kucher's a good guy. Let's 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 do Kucher a solid. Like these these people will watch it, and in no way it's just like, all right, let's all sit around and think like, what do these people want to see right now? And I would think nine out of ten households would be like, dude, just show me the cat's greatest hits, man. Yeah, that's all I want to see. Just show me something cool. It's like here's truly. Uh, among the most vanilla tournaments we could possibly think of from the last seven years. Here, here you go. Enjoy. And that was immediately like, all right, I'm going to turn off the TV and like... They got lucky with a... I'll turn off my alerts and like maybe I'll come back yeah. when the coverage comes back. But like, yeah, I'm not... I'm absolutely not doing this. They got lucky with the delays today. They got one delay. Yeah. The, the been second worse. row of thunderstorms could have hit. Uh, my Amsterdam. The Dylan Fratelli thing. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I bit my tongue on the... Uh, <laughs> You know, kissing the the hands and feet of uh, Mr. Nicholas all week. That was just the epitome of everything to me. And again, to, to a greater extent, they I thought it was a fine weekend, but that part just pissed me off because you know what, Jack really, and it's very obvious how much Jack enjoys all of you know the getting on the knees process of the of the telecast. But you know, Dylan Fratelli saying like, first of all, ugh, yeah. Oh, what did I say about Jack? Oh, he's the only one of the big three I haven't met. That's a dumb nugget. Like, he's in the middle of literally a PJ Tour round. I'm not yeah. expecting him to come up with something. No, that's fine. But yeah. like, let that sit on the cutting room floor. Oh, because I, I thought you were saying he should. No, come up no, 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 no. Yeah. The whole point of this was to like bring this amazing moment together on camera for Dylan Fratelli. It wasn't to make like a cool moment for Dylan Fratelli. Like, oh, make sure you meet Mr. Nicholas. It was let's get this on camera of Jack Nicholas making this guy's day. <laughs> And it was so awkward and that was so forced and it just speaks to like they're trying to shoehorn this inside the ropes thing in and we're not having it. Stop trying to make fetch happen. (laughs) Second thing, the construction uh, doing this, like, first of all, this, I I don't know if this, this grounds crew that is digging up the sixth green is the same crew that wakes up at 3am or whatever to, you know, set the pins and do all the work that goes into a tournament round. Let's for whatever, assume that they are. After this consecutive two-week period, Jack has them come back on the night of the tournament to begin ripping up the greens so the cameras can go see them. And they send not one but two cameras to go follow it when they tell us they don't have enough cameras to follow the golf. Get the fuck out of here. Come on. That was too much for me. Very performative. That was too much for me. So I would be pissed if I was a member. I want to play the golf. Like The golf course was historically hard. And I play here, you know, for the last 20 years. Like, I'd kind of love to see how it played. I, I want to play it on Monday. One day. To their point, yeah. it was it was supposed to happen after the tournament in May. And, like, they're supposed to have this time oh, to turn it all around. I see, I see. And you need to plant the grass. So before, like, falls, you know, 
in Ohio aren't great and before everything freezes, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have one day of wiggle room? Not, it's not got a few a, hours. It's got to literally happen while the there's bulldozers while the tournament is going Which, on. Which that's always what I, I meant to tweet this earlier in the week. One of my favorite like ongoing bits when there's going to be a renovation is, oh, they're over there tearing up the front nine as they finish on the back and they actually did it. But yeah, do you want to do some segments? I do. I don't think we have anything else, do we? I got a, just a couple of random. Oh, you know notes, what I had? A, notes. A very random nuggets. Yeah. Let's get these out of the way. Okay. Uh, Ryan Palmer and Mackenzie Hughes both got in the U.S. Open. U.S. Open, of course, doing their kind of. I don't know if they really like it. Not you know sounding totally original, but they're kind of open qualifying series, right? With they're totally exempt. Mm-hmm. U.S. Open. Uh, Ryan Palmer and Mackenzie Hughes got the two spots that were available. Um, so congrats to them. I was gutted for my guy Henrik Norlander, Fred X Cup uh, member. He, I believe, would have gotten the spot if he did not bogey 18, mm. which is a tough scene. And I think that's actually all I had. What, okay. what else you got? I got some random ones. I also wanted to give a shout to Henrik Norlander. What, we, talk, we talked about this. Strength of field was 8.03 this week at the Memorial Tournament. We 40, didn't really talk about that. Okay. Well, 48 of the top 50 in the world teed it up this week at the Memorial Tournament. Unbelievable conditions. Henrik Norlander played some amazing golf to finish T6. I have to question his decision, though, to come play the Memorial Tournament this week um, because he could have gone across the pond and played the Urim Bank Open over on the uh, Challenge Tour, uh, which had a strength of field of 11. And if he would have won that, he would have gotten more world ranking points than he got for finishing T6 at this tournament and beating 46-ish, 47 maybe of the top 50 in the world that he, he outperformed this week and got 14.4 world ranking points, whereas Joel... Stalter on the challenge tour got 18 for uh, winning narrowly over Richard Mansell, Robin Syot, Segrist, Christopher Blomstrand, Alexander Knapp, uh, and Julian Brune, Garrick Higo, and Damian Perrier. <sighs> the sparkling water guy. <laughs> that's that's tough. What were the strength of fields again? 80 what? 803 and 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, that. Uh, that could be that could be a mistake. Can you explain to me how strength of field works? Basically, yeah. So I know the higher the number, the the stronger the field yeah. it is, but I don't know how they get like for for instance, this week was whatever you said, eight oh three. Like the rocket mortgage was three oh three, and it didn't seem that much weaker. It's crazy how much it was that, that much off. weaker because it, how it works is, and I believe I've already explained this to you on our podcast that we did about the official world golf rankings. But I'm happy to go back over it um, here as we approach the final exam. But first ranked <laughs> player in the world, if you're in the field. 45 points to the strength of field. Second ranked player, 37. Right. So those third ranked, 32. All the way down to like for everyone that's between 31 and 34, it's like 10 points. 35 through 38, there's nine points, blah, blah, blah. So you get 48 of the top 50. It's about as stacked of a strength of field as you can get. So there was some bullshit floating around, though, around the internet. A lot of people saying this was maybe it was just a a syntax uh, (laughs) error going on. I I would hardly believe anybody was doing this to uh, be malicious, but it was. Yeah, a lot of people talking about like this is the strongest PGA Tour event in history, strongest non-major in history. Not like that. I maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like I was seeing that all over the place. That was not counting <laughs> not the, the players. The last year's players was 883, and so I don't know if these people like I, I don't know if whoever was saying that. I don't know if they were already rolling in the players as a major. I don't know if they were saying like regular PGA Tour event. That to me would include the players. Because uh, the players is not a major, but uh, I don't know. But Anyways, that's listen, in the season of championships. Though. This is how this shit creeps in, man. You gotta be, you gotta be gotta diligent. Be you gotta be diligent. Next thing you know, 
Go look up, go on the Golf Hall of Fame's website right now, and they literally count players' championships as major victories. Don't let it happen. Shit's not okay. This is how it slips in. This is how fascism slips in. <laughs> not people, on my watch. No, people start looking the other way, man. You can't, you can't, can't do it. All right, let's do a couple segments. Well, well, if you want to get all these nuggets out, sorry. Rory dead last in strokes gained approach. Uh, sorry, strokes gained around the greens. Okay, that not seems good. not good. Not good. Holy shit. <laughs> Colin Morikawa lost 8.2 strokes on the green this week. Worst by 3.3 shots. Of guys that made the cut. That'll, you know. I know you. he just won, but damn, we just started talking about all this putting <laughs> stuff, and that was a tough week. That is all I have. Let's do some segments. Well, I had uh, – that's kind of a good segue. I'll do rub of the green of the week first. Was was Colin Morikawa for me? Uh, Neil, of course, in our <laughs> DraftKings segment, had bet uh, that there would be an albatross this week, which I think was only like 12 to 1, which it seems to me like there's like one albatross a year. Uh, so I don't really know how those <laughs> – how those odds worked out, but Colin Morikawa literally almost did it today on uh, on number fifteen. Didn't happen to drop, so that that's going to be my uh, rubby green of the week. Uh, mine would be this was on Friday, uh, I believe. I bet pretty big on Patrick Cantley this week. He hits his second shot into eleven, the par five on Friday, draws it, so, hits it so bad, way left, and he's like yelling at to go left, as in miss the water, rolls up rolls across an angled footbridge, yeah. which is like a foot wide, gets over the creek. He is dead, short-sided, pitches up to like 20 feet, drains the birdie putt. And that is just, that's the rub of the green. Listen, I thought it was going to be his week after that. It was decidedly not. Decidedly but, not. Um, uh, I believe that brings us to, you hate to see it. Uh, you do hate to see it. Dustin Johnson going 80-80. Jerry you, Rice. You hate to you hate to see that. And usually you, you hate to see it has a massive tongue in cheek. Uh, it's actually something you don't hate to see. Yeah. I really do hate to see that. That yeah. sucks. <laughs> Especially since, since it's, he won in his last start. <laughs> That's golf. Uh, and it was like, you know, we're playing real golf this week. <laughs> and it seems like a golf course that was set up for him to uh, make some, some noise. And... Yeah, that was concerning and, tough. and weird. Brooks it was a weird 80 also. Thursday, Friday. Was, that was tough. Yeah, Brooks shooting 80 today, too. Was, was well, tough. on that note, Brooks got top billing on an Instagram ad this week. Uh, it was, in fact, a link for uh, on Instagram, like in your Instagram stories, where you could buy your PGA Championship tickets online. So it's really cool to see Brooks finally get that look. But, in fact, there won't be fans at the event. So... <laughs> That is something that you do hate to see. You hate to see people burn in the media spend. Patrick Reed also today, you hate to see this. He had it to minus five on the day. <laughs> then he went bogey, double bogey on the way in. And that's, you know, he was chance for a Ken Duke-like day, but uh, he didn't happen that. Yes, my name's got to be Jordan Spieth to get on TV <laughs> with that kind of round, guys. Uh, what do you got for your soapbox Sunday? So this was a tweet I saw from, uh, just kind of retweeted into into the feed from Lee Pace. Uh a gentleman in North Carolina, uh, just a cool, a cool little bit of a cool connective, connective thread here. So Brenda Corey Kuhn, uh, was a woman who played in the 2000 is a woman who played in the 2001 U S women's open at pine needles. Why is that interesting? She I'll played, tell you why. she played in the, do you know her? Have no, you heard I, I saw this tweet, but I know oh, what you're talking about. She played in the tournament while she was eight months pregnant, which is unfucking believable. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, astounding that she even did that so the baby was clearly born shortly after that tournament uh it was a daughter named rachel who is now 19 she's a sophomore at wake forest and this week she won the women's north and south right up the road at pinehurst 
wild story. That's that's crazy. Maybe some unfair course knowledge there, having been there when possibly she yeah, was... very early scouting report. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So shout out to to Lee Price for that story. I want to give a shout out to Xander Shoffley. He yes, shot a yeah. seventy today. He was eight over at one point on Thursday. Grinded his ass off to make the cut. Played well on the weekend. He is a guy I will be betting on the next time we see him. He was third to last in strokes game putting. That's going to hurt, but uh, to have grinded it out and gotten that far. Also, shout out to, I missed last week's kind of this Wednesday charity TV mic'd up thing they've been doing, but I got to see some of this week's. Very entertaining, great stuff, very little announcer involvement, just some good back and forth. It's very casual. You know, it's not amazing banter, but it's it's entertaining, and for some reason, Ian Poulter has gotten a lot less punchable for me over the years. <laughs> no, uh, he's cheeky, man. I know. He's great. I'm, I'm, I'm giving a compliment. Yeah. Uh, he, he was fun to watch in that format, and that was great to watch. Um, Not a shout-out, but we didn't talk about how Jack finally came out that he had COVID uh, yeah, back in March. Wild, man. We've been sitting on that for HIPAA reasons for like a long, long time. We were, kind of thought it would come out, and I thought he had some opportunities to speak on it for, for quite some time. But yeah, he, he took it, I guess, waited till his tournament to announce it on television, but... Um, it's weird. Well, you mentioned the charity, uh, the charity thing on Wednesday. I think we were, were and have been, and maybe possibly will continue to be a, a little bit critical of the fact that you know, with no fans, basically these tournaments are uh, kind of hamstrung as far as not being able to generate revenue for you know what is essentially all of their charitable giving, and at the same time, the purses have gone up from last year, not you know been adjusted at all, and so. I think the Wednesday Pro-Am thing, it seems like at least I hadn't really checked in on this week, but at least the the Quicken Loans one I know raised a ton more money uh, and some, some CEOs getting involved and, and raising a bunch more money for charity. So that does seem like a pretty good, uh, you know, kind of a good stopgap sure. as far as kicking in some more money yeah. for charity. So that that was good. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, we've been calling for something like that, and we didn't give a shout-out to when it happened. At, uh, I just I was not available. I usually don't watch television on the afternoon on that's what i was <laughs> gonna say that, that's the only thing i was gonna say is like man i don't want to nitpick yeah but like i'm not gonna watch something at two o'clock in the afternoon on wednesday we watch we have to watch so much not have to we get to watch so much stuff all weekend long like i'd not watch like wednesday's my day off so if may, I can. <laughs> maybe like and maybe they re-aired on yeah on in the evening i'm not actually sure but uh yeah that seems like kind of a prime yeah. much more prime time especially in ohio like yeah you get you know sunsets not till almost nine o'clock, right? Like it it seems like a much more prime time kind of thing. But uh, you mentioned Xander. One more little barb I wanted to throw at Fino. Xander's only... (laughs) What is a shout out? He's only... Well, I'm going to give it... It's kind of a reverse... It's a shout out to Xander. And of course, you know, every slope has two sides kind of a situation. Uh, Xander's only played like 91 events and he has four wins. And He's really good. He's really freaking good. And uh, I kind of... Almost like Fino, like I, you know, it it almost feels like maybe people aren't being like, hey, that guy should win more. Xander's really approaching the level of like, God, people need to talk about how good that yeah. guy is more, because Fino's played like I was looking it up this week. I, I forget how many, hundred and fifty some events, uh, over one sixty, over one sixty, and like it's listen. I know it's not all apples to apples, but yeah, yeah, I would love to see some wins. Yeah, I think they're a different category of player, but that's I agree. Um, Last shout out. We have a lot of them going here, but I didn't get to watch it yet. But the open for the ages, we shouted out last week the production from the RNA. If you missed, uh, I got to have a conversation with Tom Watson and Podrick Harrington. I don't know why I was in this conversation, uh, but uh, the RNA helped organize that. And Ian Carter from the BBC did a great job uh, moderating that. That's on our podcast feed. I hate 
taking credit for it in any way because it was totally an RNA production, but they shared the audio with us. And that's back there if you guys want to listen to that, their insights on playing open championship golf. And Padre, gosh, whenever he goes to start a podcast, we are in some serious trouble because he's <laughs> really good at at all that. Um, so it's on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be watching it at some point this week. Unfortunately, I do know who wins, but go watch that. Some amazing, Barbara. amazing production that, uh, that, that went into that. <laughs> I want another major, Barbara. <laughs> Finally, last question, then we can get out of here. From Benny Divitz, would Verstappen beat Hamilton if they drove the same exact car? Fuck yeah, he would. I don't know if he would. No, I don't know. Hamilton <laughs> seems Hamilton's like so good. The, the actual goat. Uh, God, big takeaways from the race today. Verstappen held off. I thought we were going to have a total uh, replay of two weeks ago, last week? Last, last week. week. Uh, of, of Bottas just kind of Botas, just absolutely running him down in the last few laps and just kind of giving him the finger on the way by in the faster car. Uh, our boy Max held him off. It was awesome. Great stuff. Uh, real roller coaster with our, our boy Gunther this week. Uh, <laughs> really kind of really kind of wanted to take a victory lap. No pun intended. Early with the whole like, oh, we changed the tires early. We're playing chess, bitches. They messed up so bad that they got it good. And then, of course, Grosjean falls all the way back to yeah. like 15th or something. But um, Verstappen hit the wall during like formation or warm up yeah. or whatever they call it. And the Red Bull team changed like... The whole like the whole front of the car, yeah, it looked like with it. twenty seconds to spare before the race started, and then he went from seventh to second. It was truly incredible. So if you don't know what we're talking about, get into Formula One, watch Drive to Survive because we're going to do. Verstappen's got some ROM vibes, to be honest. Yeah, just kind of seems like a killer. I was, I will say, I was very disappointed. This might be my you hate to see it. It's supremely disappointed to see Verstappen tweeting about how he's sharing a private jet with Ricardo <laughs> on the way back to Monte Carlo. That was. I want Verstappen to. He, I don't want him to be friends with anybody. Okay, I like that idea. Especially like his former teammate who left because he was kind of like didn't want to be in his shadow. Didn't want to like get outrun by him every week. Like, oh yeah, look, we're buddies. But, ugh, no. Take that away. I, I need those guys to be enemies. <laughs> Very last question, I promise. <laughs> Very simple. Rom, dog or killer? Uh, killer, I think. Really? I think. I don't know. I mean, I know, he, he, like I said, it looked like he kind of tried to punt it away. Like, dude, he had... We talked about all the strength of field stuff, and he was up by eight. I know. <laughs> with what, eight holes to play? But he didn't like kill. Like, he kind of... He still killed pretty hard. I, I mean, he I, essentially won by five still. I would say I'm I'm on the I'm in the camp now of there's one killer. He doesn't even exist anymore. Like, pre... There's really only one. Well, that yeah. I, I will subscribe to that take, but operating under the assumption that yeah. we're out of the one killer world, uh, I would say yes. Okay. We might need more categories yes. in this. <sighs> Anyways, yeah. we'll say that for another day. This wow. is a long one, and uh, I don't regret. Lots any, to talk. I don't about. regret any one, any bit of it. So thank you, Mr. Pie. Uh, let's work on that one percent recovery. Whatever you got last night, two percent. Um, it was a 2%. tough, tough scene. Uh, got into the wine last night. And yeah, the whoop has made me pay for it. <laughs> so thanks everybody for tuning in. This was a wild, fun week uh, in golf. I can't imagine that the 3M will be as fun. But who knows? Well, it was well, like tournament of the year last year. Yeah, it's a something Bryson like that. and Matt Wolf. Yeah. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.